Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast, What About Us? Cultural Awareness in Clinical Practice. I'm Afsana. So then, today's episode focuses on men's mental health, and that's in relation to men from ethnic minority communities. I felt like this was an important issue which isn't talked about enough, and I felt that this was a great way to not only raise awareness within clinical practice, but also um, raising awareness within our communities. So, I'm joined by Antonio Dawson, who is a psychological therapist. He's also a minister in religion, as well as the founder of Speak Black Man. So, Antonio talks about his journey through the profession, how he got to where he has. He talks about um, some of the challenges within practice, as well as how he integrates spirituality within therapy. So, let's have a listen to what Antonio had to say. Hi Antonio, welcome to our podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today um, because in this particular episode I wanted to focus on men's mental health. Um, I think it's a topic that's not spoken about much and you know we would love to hear about your experiences of working within the profession um, but also working with um, clients from you know diverse backgrounds. So before we start would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you do? Okay, thank you so much for having me. I am Antonia Dawson, and I am a psychological therapist by profession, also a minister of religion. And also I've started this movement called Speak Black Man. I'm an advocate for my black brothers trying to raise awareness about mental health difficulties, such as depression, anxiety, stress and worries, and educating young men about tools and techniques that can be applied to support them. So basically, that's just a snapshot of what I do. Wow, that sounds like you've got a lot going on there. Um, so what I want to start off with then is I came across one of your recent tweets where you talked about feeling isolated um, in the world of psychology, especially clinical psychology, I suppose. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got into your role as a therapist? So what was your journey like? So I came, I migrated to the UK in 2016. Um, prior to that, I served as a police officer in Jamaica for six years. Um, when I came here, I, I basically went into working in the forensic aspect of psychology with men coming from the prison system who would have spent a lot of years in prison and they're diagnosed with personality disorder. So as a result of that, I recognized that I needed to have more clinical more clinical understanding of some of the difficulties that people from specifically minority group were experiencing and as a result of that I got into the PWP Ruth and through that medium I basically started treating people with depression and anxiety but what I recognize is that there's just so limited amount of us as black male therapists out there especially minority um, groups and when it comes to male therapists so one of the things that I've been trying to do is to build connection with Male, with male therapists that are from the BME community, but I've not met a lot. And that's that's the reason why I made that tweet on, on Twitter recently. Um, but I've been reaching out to people from places like America. Now there's a there's a there's a growing community now that I'm that I'm connecting with a lot more black therapists now, which feels a bit better um than than maybe a year ago. Right, okay. So 
Did you experience any challenges then, you know, going into the field, um, whether that be personal challenges or from a service user perspective? A major challenge that I, that I recognise throughout my time working within the industry is the fact that people who are from the BME community are more likely to drop out of treatment even mm. if they do engage treatment. And this could be um, because of barriers such as language barriers or sometimes people might not um, might not feel like the space is safe. You, you know, there's a lot of factors um, that contribute to this. It might be things maybe around discrimination. But personally, when it comes to 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 my to my support that I give, I normally do see a lot of minority people, and I do get good recovery from people who are who are from the BME community if they're willing to engage the treatment. Um, because once they get they get comfortable and understand that you really want to support them, you normally find that the, the, you build a good therapeutic relationship, and you're more likely to to support them to learn tools and techniques to manage their difficulties. Right. Okay. That sounds really interesting. So what I want to touch up on then, so something that you mentioned earlier was that you created a movement called Speak Black Man. So could you tell us a little bit about how that was developed or why was it developed? Okay, so I think I did a, I did a podcast with BBC um, mm-hmm. earlier this year, just around the time of George Floyd death. And right. following that podcast, there's so much young men who kind of connected with me who had you know mental health difficulties are struggling with some mental difficulties and i recognize that there's so much need out there but a lot of our, our young men are not able to articulate how they're feeling and they're just a lot of young men who don't trust the system so by seeing someone like myself going on a platform like bbc podcast to speak about this thing they recognize that they can identify with someone from their community and right. and as a, as a result of that i was led to start this movement called speak black man movement which really is empowering young young men or men of any 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 background but you know really just to to speak about how you feel emotionally because for myself growing up in Jamaica I never really understand emotions and I never really got to express emotion because you know you're only taught to kind of speak about how you feel and the only thing you know to say you feel is I feel good or I feel bad you never Mm -hmm. understand that you can feel really sad or you can feel frustrated or you feel angry and so what we find is that there's an there's an iceberg kind of kind of mentality within the black community where there's so much under the surface but we're Mm -hmm. only seeing what is what is on the top we're only seeing the aggressive behavior but many of the challenges that we're we're having are things that are never expressed that is deep within and so it's so important that there's now a movement that encourage young men even from within the home this this movement is not just a talking about mature men it's talking about in the homes parenting your children should should be able to express their emotions how are they feeling am i feeling sad angry articulate how you're feeling express how you you know how, how things are impacting you because when we start that kind of movement and development or socialization we recognize that we'll have a better society for our black men we're, we're not misjudged and there's no stigma attached to us because a lot of times we are we are judged by preconceived biases and a lot of these biases are biases that are coming from from generations because one thing that you know growing up from a caribbean perspective that was never really 
River really explore is why do we behave the way we behave? And why do our parents behave the way they behave? Because most of our parents don't really speak. They're only, they're only trained to beat. So because they're trained to use physical physical way of, of communicating, what we recognize is that no one really recognizes that this is coming from the plantation system. This is coming from a slavery mentality where slaves weren't given an opportunity to speak. And, and in the Caribbean, the, the, the slaves were just used as, as workers or they used as, as tons to produce children, but they weren't given a voice. And so our parents, that kind of mentality passed down. And what we find is that there is a, a system of bias there that that is that is permeated through young black men who don't really speak but really just just basically act out physically or through an aggressive medium that sometimes is misunderstood so i think with the speak black man movement it's bringing back the voice to the black man where the black man can recognize that they have they have a space to speak about their difficulties or it's okay it's normalizing the fact that we need to speak it's normalizing the fact that if you're experiencing any difficult situation we can speak about it the black man is also socialized and not just black men but minority people in a whole are socialized just to speak up just to be tough and be strong about everything that you're going through but we don't have to be strong there's situations that we're facing that we we need to be vulnerable we need to get support we need people who, who will understand us from our culture standpoint or what we're going through so that we can actually you know make changes in our life to be in a better place emotionally so that that's really what the speak black man movement is about there's so much implicit um bias that we now face within 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 our community and most of these biases are passed down through the generation but has never been broken gosh that's such an interesting perspective um so i'm just wondering then what do you think are some of the challenges then that men from minority ethnic groups experience in terms of um, accessing or, you know, um, using mental health services. I speak to black men is just a lot of it goes back to cultural barrier. Um, a lot of a lot of black men think it's weak to go into therapy or right. it's weak to really convey how you feel. Another aspect of it goes back to feeling quite um, discriminated if they if they should go into a therapy room or just just many of the stigma around mental health difficulties like you know people see you and one of the, the the major thing within the black community is that you're called mad and being mad gives this the idea that you're someone who is crazy and who wants to be called crazy so you going if you tell someone you're going into therapy these days you know people will, will laugh at you in your community but it's becoming more of a thing now where people are comfortable to say I'm going to therapy because the more people come out and normalize it, it becomes easier. So most of the, the black men I'm speaking to now are more open to to speaking to someone. I have people who won't go into a formal space, but they will speak to me about tips and techniques. And there's some people, you know, who, who really want to utilize the space, but won't even utilize it because of lots of different factors. There's other things around social and economic inequalities, whereby we have a lot of young men who don't have, don't have a job. They don't have the basic needs. And they're worrying about these things. Taking your time to go into a therapy room is like wasting that time when it won't change what you're going through. You 
need a job. So a lot of things goes back to the system also because we know that black and minority ethnic people experience wider, wider variety of inequalities that makes us more, more vulnerable to mental illnesses. So we have to look at those things to why is it that our black men are not basically accessing treatment. If we look at the criminal justice system, most of the, the black men who enter treatment or any form of mental health treatment is through the, the criminal justice system. That is because it's not a part of the mainstream culture to promote the system where minority people feel comfortable to let their voice be heard or to really find the space to use. Other things that we can think about also are spiritual beliefs or, you know, a lot of people think they can just pray it away or they think they can just, you know, their belief that it's going to go at some point. So there's a lot of factors against us. There's a lot of factors. But the more we have this conversation, I believe that we're breaking that that barrier and we're, we're opening the atmosphere for it to become much better. That's such interesting points that you raised there. And, you know, I kind of agree with you because even within my own community, I come from a Pakistani community, I see these issues time and time again. So I'm just wondering, you know, I just want to touch upon a couple of points that you raised um, within this. So you talked about normalizing therapy and normalizing mental health. So how would you suggest um, clinicians working within you know, the clinical psychology field and within mental health practices, how should they go about approaching this? Um, mm. A lot of a lot of us are trained to do therapy in a certain way, and we are so stick uh, or we are so structured in our normal techniques that we don't think outside of the box and think about the social context and also the the cultural upbringing of the patient that we're having. We cannot use the all size fit one mentality. Yes, we are going to use the same technique, but we need to understand our patient more. Mm-hmm. We need to allow our patient to understand that we want to understand their cultural, their cultural background or understand the, 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 the demographic situation that they're experiencing. Because a lot of people, based on where they're located and so forth, in where the country in the country, that some people won't want to come into a space and open up because there's so much discrimination against them already. So we have to know, keep these things in mind as practitioner, and then create our therapy in a way in which it is not just going through a, a kind of Eurocentric kind of approach but we're more wide stream in 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 how we support people so i think it goes back to adaptation the key thing i think it's adaptation and also recognizing that not everyone you can work with because some people if they if you think that you're not going to build a good therapeutic relationship and you've tried a few sessions have that conversation with your superior maybe refer them on to someone else before they drop out of treatment what we find is that a therapy a practitioner might recognize that they're not building good therapeutic relationship. They force the sessions. And when you force the session over time, you the next session, the patient don't really engage and over time they drop out. I think there should be a system also that if there's any stage in the treatment, you recognize that you won't be able to support the patient. Then you might think about signposting them to a better, to a better practitioner or, you know, some system like that in place or someone who's more culturally aware of what they're going through. Right, that's so interesting. So I'm just kind of wondering then, so do you feel like um, ethnic matching or gender matching is useful within therapeutic practice? Or do you feel like it doesn't actually really make much of a difference? 
I work on some time ago, and the research showed that there most people did not have a preference in terms of the practitioner, but it might be that the sample size was very was very small, and we did not get a a good a good diverse um understanding of the people. But I think that it does it does matter, you know, if people can relate to people from their background. I, when I work with people who are from Jamaican background, we definitely have a good time in therapy because. I can code switch if they're speaking in Patois, I can go and speak the Patois with them and they can understand me more because I I understand the culture, I understand the difficulties, I understand the history in terms of slavery and everything. So that gives them a more kind of relaxed kind of space where they can feel comfortable. And the reality is some people might not want that approach either because I've also had patients who said that they would not want to work with people from their culture because they feel they'll be judged because the culture, for example, the culture might show that, you know, might might be kind of reluctant to female having therapy and a female therapist might say they don't want to be seen by a female therapist from their culture. It's very difficult to kind of get the, the balance, but I think, you know, it's really keep you know, keeping the, the, the mindset to be open to the changes within the needs of the people that we serve. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so you, you talked about some of the tips and techniques that you've used um, within clinical practice. And I'm wondering whether you could share some advice on what, you know, clinicians can think about when working with men from diverse communities. Um, so what kind of things can they consider and think about um, within their therapeutic practice? BME community. I think we, we, we have been programmed here as therapists to just think of people as BME. We need to think of people within the BME from their mm. specific cultural background. Right. So I, you want to be zooming in to find out this person grew up in in, in Africa, in, 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 in Ghana, or they grew up in Nigeria, what's, what's a culture like? We know that there's lots of spiritual beliefs. We know that there are lots of um, cultural things that might be difficulties that, you know, they might be struggling as a result of their cultural upbringing. We have to keep these things in mind and also be, be educate ourselves about the, 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 the cultural differences or the spiritual beliefs that they might have. Read their notes, find out, you know, do a thorough assessment to find out, you know, how long they've been experiencing these things, what's the major trigger. And from doing that, then we can then tailor our sessions to, to adapt to their needs. I think it's really understanding more about the individual patient, not just a general kind of idea that, oh, this is a BME patient, you know, but really zooming in more on specifically the, the, the environment, how this person was, was brought up and so forth. I know some therapy don't, especially CBT, don't go a, a lot into the past and so forth because mm -hmm. I, I, I practice CBT. But even so, for myself, what I do is really trying to understand more about if I don't expert in the treatment in the session, I also try to understand more about the culture so I can now adapt my support um, to them. And key thing also is learning how to build good therapeutic relationship um, and building therapeutic relationship is the key whereby you're, 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 you're utilizing that verbal and nonverbal communication because therapy is not so much about just what you say. It's how you behave. Your body, mm. can your body can communicate so much to that patient that they might not want to come back to the therapy. So you have to ensure that you're getting um, all the, all the, 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 the kind of um, interpersonal 
put skills together um, whereby you're, you're communicating things verbally correct, your body saying it, because some person might, they might have a posture that shows that they're not really interested in this patient or I'm not really understanding this patient. So there's so much for the clinician to keep in mind, but if we're definitely going to impact our support especially black men they need to know that we have their best interests at heart they need to know that it's not just another um, therapy session because we have um, 30 minutes to or 45 minutes to really engage them but we are going to use that time because we value them and we want right. to basically support them also we should also try as much as possible to really kind of step aside for our, from our preconceived biases because many of us might have biases around certain certain group of people you don't want to take that into the therapy room you want to ensure that when you go into that room you're going with as you know as john Locke said a blank slate your mind is not overwhelmed with all this kind of preconceived thinking but you're going in there to understand that patient and give them the best support you can that's great. That's such valuable advice. And I think, you know, I really love the point that you mentioned regarding thinking about within cultural differences and, you know, really thinking about, you know, what are some of the challenges that people face, you know, within cultural groups and, you know, what are their practices or, you know, what are their beliefs? Um, so, yeah, I think that that's brilliant. Um, the last thing I want to touch up on then, if you don't mind, um, is... I'm really interested in, in sort of um, hearing more about your role. So, you know, you on one hand, you're a minister um, of religion. And then on the other hand, you, you're a therapist. So, you know, how does that work? Because on you know, one hand, you're thinking about spirituality and you're thinking about maybe, you know, uh, potentially things that are not within the scientific realm, you know, the unknown and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then on the other hand, you've got the, you know, Western concepts um, that are used within therapy. So how do you manage that? How do you manage those dynamics? I think for me, one of my passion is to merge um, mm -hmm. theo theology and, and psychology um, mm -hmm. in, in, in some aspect for persons who have that spiritual belief or, you know, I, I want to use their own their own belief system to support them because this is so important for a therapist to also understand that when you understand a patient's spiritual belief system you've already halfway through the therapy because most people they're more they're more connected to their belief than their problems so if you can if you can if you can support a person by utilizing the tools from their own belief system and integrate psychological practical tools to support them then patient can really understand you more as a as a practitioner recognize that you can really meet their needs um so that's something that i do from my spiritual standpoint which is to really merge theology and and mm -hmm. psychology especially when i'm dealing with people from Christian background or people who are from my my community or you know who can reach out to me from time to time I can utilize that approach in terms of just working with patient um you know for me it's never been for me I really don't allow my belief to really prevent me from supporting a patient regardless mm -hmm. of their background regardless of what they believe my job in that moment is to be a therapist and to support them to become the best version of themselves they can be so it it, it takes a lot of of, of self-reflection a lot of self-discovery takes a lot of time to really understand yourself um, and when you understand yourself as a person then you can step outside of you know you and support people who are in need not just thinking about this is me and I don't I don't believe in this it's really understand that people need support and people are different you know regardless of who they are where they're from they're different you know people yeah. people are just people
I love that. I love the fact that you're able to, you know, bring in spirituality when needed, especially if it's important to a client, uh, but also park it aside if, if it's not needed within a session. Um, I mean, that's really refreshing to hear. Um, so then just one last thing then. So is there anything else that you want to add in or anything that I haven't covered or you want to speak about? I just think there's there's so much there's so much more that we we need we need not just from a clinician standpoint but just from a a government or cultural standpoint the, we speak about diversity but diversity diversity need to become the part need to be reflected in the policies that, mm. that 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 is that is within the system so whilst we have the diversity policy I believe that there should be an holistic approach whereby there's the special consideration being you know be taken for different group of people, which is quite difficult. But if you just generalize people as BME community, then you're just going to see them from a BME wide perspective without mm -hmm. tailoring the support to that to that which they need. So I think we we have to really zoom it back into. Uh, the individual and where they're they're coming from specifically rather than a, a wide base of you know where we're thinking about things one more thing if oh, people yeah, want to yeah. if people want to connect with the speed black man movement you can find me on instagram it's antonia dawson you can find me there i post content about um you know men's mental health and just about psychological tools and techniques and you know you will also see a bit of spiritual thing on my on my platform so it's so important if, if any black men or anyone from the BME community hear me, you know, today you can always connect with me to find out more about how, you know, you can get support. That's brilliant. Thank you so much, Antonio, for joining us today. I mean, um, I've, I've certainly learned a lot and, you know, it's great to hear that, you know, you're actively out there promoting, you know, mental health awareness amongst um, you know, men within our communities um, who may find it challenging to talk about some of these issues. So I hope that you continue to flourish in that. Um, so I'm going to leave it here. Uh, I just want to thank you once again, and I hope that we can speak some more soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in. We really appreciate you all taking the time out to listen to our podcast and we're loving receiving your feedback too. Um, if there's anything that you feel like we need to change or, you know, any topics that we should discuss, then just send us a DM. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye.